So when you tell somebody you have too much going on, what do they tell you? Just focus. When you tell someone that you have 17 things on your to-do list, what do they tell you? Just focus. When you tell somebody, oh, I need to be on more social media platforms and I need to get my message out there some more, what do they tell you? Just focus. Well, what does that actually mean? And we know that in all areas of our lives, that if we actually deploy more focus, deploy more empathy, deploy more concentrated effort, we will do well. We know that. But why don't we? We don't because no one has actually taught us the paradigm, the framework on how to actually install that thinking into our lives. And today I talked to Perry Marshall, who literally wrote the book on the 80-20 process for sales and marketing. Literally, he took the 80-20 process and then and shows you how to actually use that framework to build and grow your life and your business. And he also talked about his awesome new book that he launches that can even create enormous success for you. All that and more starts right now with Perry Marshall. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to, how to grow your business how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. Hey, Perry, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I, I As you were talking about offline, one of the things that um, I loved when I first kind of got to, got to know your work, and you're a you're a legend. You've done, you've helped so many entrepreneurs. It, it, uh, I was talking to one of my, my uncles about you and he was like, Hey, I know that name. And he pulled out your book and he showed it to me, 8020. And he's a engineer at JPL. And, oh. and, and which is so cool. Right. And so um, I would love for you to maybe tell the, how did you get connected with NASA and <laughs> presenting and like connecting this 8020 principle with NASA? Well, so we got a like a support ticket a couple of years ago where somebody at Jet Propulsion's labs wanted, could you send us some graphics from your 80-20 book that we want to use in a slide presentation because we're teaching this productivity course? And we're like, well, yeah, we would be happy to send you that stuff. And hang on a second, could you talk to us about that? And yeah, one of the staff members at JPL Somebody had read um, 80-20 sales and marketing and, and latched on to the 80-20 curve. Now, most entrepreneurs couldn't care less that I came up with a calculus formula, okay? Right. Um, but, you know, engineers uh, with the structural way that they, they, they look at, at the world actually could, could see this as pretty important. And, and so to, to give you a little background, I, I read Richard Koch's like classic 80-20 book, yeah. which I think everybody should read um, like 17 years ago. And I was in a coffee shop and somebody, uh, Ken McCarthy, one of my mentors had said, oh, you, like, oh, you got to read this book. So the book came and I went to the coffee shop and I get to page 14 and I'm, I'm sitting there in the chair drinking the coffee and Richard mentions that 80-20 has a lot to do with chaos theory and fractals. But then he doesn't say any more about it. He just goes on. I'm like, wait a minute. Like yeah. I've, I've actually studied those things. And they're really interesting, by the way. This is not just some propeller head thing. This is <laughs> the stuff is everywhere. Right. And this this is a way of understanding things like pandemics and hurricanes and earthquakes and you know, and like how rivers flow and like patterns in nature. And and one of the things about, about chaos theory is that you have patterns within patterns within patterns within patterns that a crack in your windshield and an earthquake are actually exactly the same. They're just wow. 
on different scales, okay? Right. If you can understand one, you can understand the other. And if you understand a little of this stuff, you understand all of it, okay? And I had had a really big epiphany about this years before when my, my wife brought home a book from the library and she thought, hey, I think you'll probably think this is interesting. And she <laughs> was right. <laughs> she's, she's always been really good at it. Like, so, and, and so I'm, I'm reading this book. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I think what he might be suggesting here without actually saying it is that 80-20 is a pattern and a pattern and a pattern and a pattern. Right. If that's true, that means that when I, when I take the important 20% and I discard the not important 80%, 80 20 is still true of what you got left. And then if oh, I slice got it. that off, 80 20 is still true of that. And I could, which, so I, I, I want to yeah. slow down and explain what this means. <laughs> okay, because cause maybe a lot of people don't even really understand 80 20. So 80 20, the basic version says 20% of the people own 80% of the real estate. Right. And 20% of the people, have 80% of the money and 20% of the countries have 80% of the armies and, and stuff like that. Okay. Right. Yep. Now, most people have probably heard that by now somewhere and, yep. and, and, and 20% of your customers, right? 80% of your checks. Okay. That's true. Right. Okay. And it's, it's, in fact, it's true of a lot more things than you realize. 20% of the traffic is on 80% of the roads. 80% of the traffic is on 20% of the roads. And 80% of the dirt is on 20% of your carpet. And this is, okay, this is everywhere. Right. But what Richard got me to suddenly, it wasn't a realization. It was like a this giant suspicion. Ooh, is he saying that 20% of 20% of the customers Right, eighty percent of eighty percent of the checks. Oh wow! Is he saying that twenty percent of twenty percent of twenty percent of product effects are eighty percent of eighty percent of eighty percent of all the cost and the pain and the ass and wow? Yes, wow. Okay, so what this meant was no. There's not just these levers. There's a lever inside the lever. There's another inside that lever. And these tiny little levers swing huge doors. Right. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> so I went home with my head on fire and and my wife comes up home an hour or two later. And, she, and I'm on the floor with all these pieces of paper and a calculator and I'm having this giant brainstorm. She's like, what happened to you? I'm like, I think I just discovered one of the great secrets of the universe. And I did. Yeah. Like, well, this doesn't happen to us every day. It's not every day that you just like have a giant epiphany. And, and, and so at that time, I had been in business for a year and a half. I was a freelancer, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm doing some project work for some clients. I'm, you know, I'm just hustling right right and i i start looking at all of the numbers of this fledgling little business i got and i'm like all of this is 80 20 and actually if you if you start subdividing it you can predict the future like huh. i like i already know that 80% of these leads that came in last week are going to go nowhere and 20% are actually going to turn into something and 20% of the 20% are going to turn into something substantial and 20% of those will probably be like my biggest client. Right. And I already know it before I even call any of them. Perry, how, how does that... I mean, there, there was a, um, I got a chance to skim the Harvard Business Review article, which actually they did a good job of breaking it down. They, they uh, which, and which is very cool because they took, you took the 80-20 take and we kind of rebuilt that thing. And I, I was like, wow, I, I, I don't even think people should read 80-20. They should just read that article. That was a- Wouldn't be a was, bad idea. <laughs> that was actually, because that not only had the 80-20 insight, but it had 
the underpinnings of the 80-20 insight, right? Which was very cool to me. And so maybe I, the question I asked myself was, okay, I as an entrepreneur understand exactly what you just said, which was I got this, if you took this bundle of leads idea, I got a hundred leads, 80 are not going to do anything. And let's say I intellectually understand this. What do I do now? So this goes to the, the, the most popular story in my 80-20 book. This is like the, the story that everybody remembers and, and repeats is, is my friend, John Paul Mendoza. When he was 17, he dropped out of high school in Denver, hitchhiked to Las Vegas and decided to become a professional gambler. His mother was thrilled. Okay. And, and so literally, you know, a month or two later, he's literally every day he's playing poker in Vegas and living off the winnings. And this was turning out to be a little harder than he had imagined. <laughs> and so he goes to a gambler's bookstore with all these gambling books and he bumps into a guy who runs a professional gambling ring and his name is Rob and they strike up a conversation and John's like, well, Rob, do you, do you suppose it could be possible that I could learn more from you, what you do? And Rob goes, for a percentage of your winnings, uh, I could do that. Wow. And so they shake hands. Uh, and so they have a deal. Jump in the Jeep, John, or going for a ride, okay? So they're in the Jeep, riding down the highway. John goes, Rob, so how do I win more poker games? And Rob goes, the way you win more poker games is you need to find people who are going to lose when they play poker, not people who are going to win. And people who are going to lose are called marks. Uh -huh. You don't play other professional poker players. You want to find the kid who's 18 years old and he just got his grandmother's inheritance money and he flew in from Wichita and he's just sure he's going to get rich in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, and, and those people are called marks. Yep. And John says, where do I find marks? <laughs> it was here. I'll show you. <laughs> he pulls into a parking lot and they walk into a strip club. And there's all these people and there's women and there's drinking and there's loud rock music and a lot of distractions, shall we say. <laughs> and Rob sits John down at one of the tables and Rob carried a sawed off shotgun every, everywhere he went. What? And he, he pulls it out of his jacket and he holds, holds it under the table and he opens the chamber and then he snaps it shut. So it goes. <laughs> now, and, and, and it is in the middle of this club with dancers and rock music. And even with all this noise and distractions going on, there's like a few biker dudes over in the corner. They're like, hey, like who made that noise? Right. Whoa. You know, they're reaching for their guns. And the, and the owner of the club comes over. He's like, hey. What's going on over here? And Rob goes, hey, that's all right. Just teaching the lad a lesson. Don't worry about us. Hey, John, did you see those biker dudes turn around when they heard that noise? And he's like, yeah. And he goes, don't play poker with them. They're not marks. <laughs> play poker with everybody else. Uh... Okay, now that is what we call racking the shotgun. Huh. everything you do is racking the shotgun in marketing. Hmm. So if you got a hundred leads on your desk, you got a hundred pieces of paper from the trade show mm -hmm. or a hundred emails of the people filled in the form on your, whatever it is. Right. Okay. Somebody racked a shotgun and those hundred people turned their head. Ah, Awesome. Okay. And there's probably 400 people that didn't. Right. 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 These are the 20%. Huh. Okay. And now like you ignore the people who didn't turn their head because they don't matter. These are the ones that moved. Right. And now 
you continue to rack the shotgun and rack the shotgun, uh, and rack the shotgun. And as soon as you figure out that somebody is not going to be responsive, you're done with them. And you always know that 80% of the value is going to come from 20% of whatever's left. And you can just keep working that, working that, working that all the way to down to one person. Right, right. And this, this is how everything in marketing is. Now, human beings almost seem to be hardwired to do the wrong thing. Okay, <laughs> so, so um, human beings are almost hardwired to sit there and try to convince the skeptics and the unconvinced while, which is the 80%, like you could spend the rest of your life, like trying to warm up these cold leads that don't want to do anything. Meanwhile, you got this other guy and he's, he's hot to try, right? Like, okay, just forget all those people and go over here and help that guy. Right. Right. And, and so when, when I, when I realized that this was, this was going on everywhere, all around me, every day of my life, I had just never recognized for what it really is. And what it means is that, is that all of the power is in small numbers, not big numbers. Huh. The only reason you need a big number is just because there's more, there's a needle in the hate. The only reason you need a big haystack is because there's a needle in it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay. It's all that hay is kind of immaterial. It doesn't matter. You have this giant haystack, 80, 90, 95, 99% of it really doesn't matter. It's the 20%, the 5%, the 1%, the 0.1%. And this is true everywhere. It's true in politics. Yeah. So like, for example, in the last 10 years, the, the term human trafficking went from not a term to now it's a word that everybody uses. Right. I don't even know who they are. I guarantee you about 12 people made that happen. Hmm. It wasn't hmm. thousands and thousands of people. It was like a handful of really determined people who have access to maybe some media outlets or some influencers and they got the world to suddenly realize, hey, this, this is a really bad thing and it's going on all the time and we got to start doing something about it, right? Yeah. So now, now it's a thing. Yeah. Everything in the world is like that, okay? It's true in your industry. It, it, it's true of the, the authors in your niche. It's true of the websites in, the, in your niche. Like on a website, you could have a thousand pages on your website. Well, 10 of them, generally at least 50% of all of the activity or money or anything yeah. that happens on your website and the other 990 is just sawdust. Yeah. Okay, so that's actually very practical because, you know, somebody had a meeting last week and they go, hey, you know, our website is really ugly. We need to do the re redo the website. And anybody with any brains knows if you got a thousand page website, it's going to take like a year and a half. Right. Well, how long does it take to fix 10 pages? So, so Not a year and a half. So when you're working with a client, like it's, this all seems just, just really powerful self-diagnosis, even before they call Perry Marshall, right? Like they're like, just, if you just go to your um, Google analytics, hit, hit, reverse, you know, kind of downward sort by page visits or what's, and then look at the first 10 pages. Um, when you, do you see things like that, like low hanging fruit that have can instantly deliver results for people? It's everywhere. In fact, this is how I figured out Google ads when Google ads was brand new and nobody really knew what to do with it. Right. It's kind of hard to imagine now because it's everywhere, but right. Okay. In 2002, Google introduced this thing called Google AdWords select and you could bid on keywords and you could write all these ads and you could split test stuff and you could send people to any web page you want. And now the whole English language was suddenly for sale. <laughs> and okay, now what do we do? Well, 
it took a lot of people a long time to realize how big of a deal that was. Right. Well, I opened an account like a month after they started it. And, and I'm like, I had just read this 80-20 book. And, and it was like, oh, how, you, how do you master Google ads? You figure out what are like the 10 80-20 levers of a Google account. And what are the 10 things where you sort from top to bottom or bottom to top as the case may be right. and find either this is a positive lever or this is a negative lever because you could, if you, if you treated everything equally, you could obsess about it for weeks and months and never do anything else and right. really accomplish almost nothing. Right? right. But really only five or 10% of this even matters and you focus all your energy on that five or 10%. And well, that's what my Google book is. It's yeah. really applying 80-20 to a Google account. That's what it is. I mean, uh, that would be a bad title. How to apply 80-20 <laughs> to a Google account. There's not very many people that would really get yeah. that, right? But but that's that's really what yeah. the whole thing is. But uh, so, so this is super fascinating. In, in today's world of... Um, kind of multiple platform content generation uh, that immediately comes to mind. So everyone, the kind of the gurus talk about, hey, you need to be everywhere on every platform, doing everything at all times and never stop posting. And uh, I have a, psycho a psychology question here, which is I actually think most people can look at their stuff and say, hey, uh, in based on Aishiran, based on what I'm doing, I'm seeing the best results from from LinkedIn. I, I'm getting the leads from LinkedIn. The inbounds are coming from LinkedIn, but I, I'm still mad at my team that they're not posting on these other platforms. They're not doing other things. Uh, could you talk to the psychology of that saying, I, I feel FOMO on the rest, even though I know the 80-20 has a very specific role in driving money into the bank for me? I have a very specific answer for you. Can you allow me to share my screen and I'll actually show you yeah, absolutely. how to do this? Absolutely. So I, I remember about, oh, I don't know, six years ago, maybe one of my best clients comes to me and he goes, so Perry, I've learned how to build a sales funnel, how to build Google ads, how to build Facebook ads. And I, I drive people to email and they sign up for the email and I Chinese water torture them with email. <laughs> and he goes, okay, that's nice. But you know, my, my clients are typically 20 to 22 years old and they're really heavy on social media and they're not so much into email and they're on Instagram and they're on YouTube. So how do I do this? And I said, uh, let me, let me think about it. Well, uh, maybe a year later, it, like it snapped in place. And I'm gonna show you the picture um, that of, of what I came up with. Yeah, and for so those that- what I'm yeah. about to show you, it looks ridiculously complicated. Once I explain to it, it you'll see it's actually very simple. Okay, so. <laughs> I love this. Yeah, for those that are only hearing the audio, we'll make sure this is in the show notes, but Perry's been super cool to share this with us. Okay, so this is, just about every form of media I, I could think of. Okay, it's got Instagram and Periscope and, you know, TV and radio and Google and Wikipedia and Amazon, like it's all, it's all there, okay? So this is how you 80-20 all of that. Because in theory, you're like FOMO, you know, allegedly should be on all of these, right? Yeah. Now, the fact is, is even Microsoft can't manage all of these, let alone you. <laughs> okay. They can have all the staff in the world and they'll still not do them all right. Okay. So we sorted these out and we sorted them into quadrants. So the top half is live, all the live media, like a text, an SMS text message is live, right? Right. And, and you and I talking on Zoom is live, right? And then you have recorded, like YouTube video or an email, that's recorded, okay? And then you have audio visual where you can see the person and then you have text 
where you're just reading it. And right. I, I split into these four. And what, what we're saying here is that there's four modalities. There's live audiovisual, there's recorded audiovisual, there's live text and recorded text. Yep. And if you want to seem like you're everywhere, you need to touch people at least a little bit in each of these four areas. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So you ought to have a live audiovisual thing like a Zoom meeting. You ought to have a recorded audiovisual thing like a podcast or a YouTube. Yeah. Okay. You ought to have a live text thing like chat yeah. or even Twitter or maybe Facebook or Facebook Instant Messenger, perhaps. Okay. And you ought to have recorded text like a direct mail letter or a web page. Yep. And if you, so you can glue all these together with remarketing or retargeting. Okay. Yep. So I can do remarketing simultaneously in Google ads, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And if somebody hits my website, I can suddenly appear in all of those media. Yeah. And it, it doesn't have to be terribly expensive and I can throttle it and I, maybe it's only for two days or whatever. It doesn't have to break the bank. Right. But if I'm effective in, in one media in each of these four quadrants, I've covered the 20% that's 80% of what I need. Oh, so good. This is, this is so, this is, um, so Perry, if, if we were not having this conversation, how would, so you and I have seen a lot of, uh, you know, I have not have seen this visual before, which is, I, I literally, I, I would tell you just, you've given me the gift of removing my FOMO just by looking at this, right? Yeah. So, so I'm super grateful for that. And even though, and I think you said this, you're like, Hey, it's going to look confusing up front, but let me break it down for you. But I started off with 80% of overwhelm, <laughs> right? Yeah. But instantly when you explain the quadrants, so how, how would have, how would have someone ever gotten their hands on something like this if they had if they were not on with us today? Well, they wouldn't. <laughs> okay, so you know this is you know we we talk about this in some of our books, and we have a course called Maze 2.0 that goes very deep into how you actually do this. Got it. Um, so you can go to PerryMarshall.com and search Maze 2.0 and go go to the products page and 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 we teach this. But see, this is so important because. Most people are just ridiculously overloaded, yeah, okay, and overwhelmed, and like everybody everywhere. In fact, I would say that the number one thing that I use eighty twenty four with my clients in all kinds of different ways is moving them from overwhelmed to oh, there's only like these three or four things that I need to worry about and everything else can just, in fact, sometimes it's one thing. Yeah. So Perry, let's, I would love to run that by you, right? So so how, uh, let's say I'm an entrepreneur right now. I Even if it's as very mundane as I'm doing uh, planning for the next year or for the next quarter, and it's so amazing. I've seen seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs do planning. They're like, we're going to do these 472 things and let's chop it up and give it to everybody. But how does somebody, is there a process of actually say, taking this list of 10 things, the 10 things that are on there. And you said, Hey, you whittled them down to two or three that you suggest your client. Is there a process of going from the 10 to the two? Yeah. So first off, you need to understand something is see 80 20 is almost like gravity. It's like a law of physics. It's, it's virtually impossible for 10 things to be equal. <laughs> okay. If you hire 10 salespeople, it is virtually impossible for 80-20 not to apply to that group of 10 salespeople. Yeah. 80-20 says that two or three of them will outsell 
the other seven or eight yeah. by a wide margin. Okay, not, on, not only will two of them outsell the other eight, two of them will significantly outsell the other eight. Yeah. And, and, and is, your, is, your, uh, is your recommendation that our job is to find the two or three, or is it a know that that's going to happen and it is what it is? Well, you're, first of all, you have to know you can't change this. <laughs> you're not going to change it. It's baked into the fabric of the universe, which is like a whole... I mean, if you if you go deep enough into my, in fact, there's a there's a chapter in 8020 sales and marketing that explains why this is baked into the universe. I think it's chapter 14. Okay. But you just need to take my word for it. Bernie Sanders isn't gonna change it. Kamala Harris isn't gonna change it. Donald Trump isn't gonna change it. Nobody's gonna change it. Okay. This inequality is what it is. And, and so you have to live in the is world instead of the should be world. Uh, the should be world says, oh, you know, I got these two or three really runt sales guys like trying to squeaking it out on bologna sandwiches. So I'm going to spend all my time just helping them out. No, no, you fire them and, and you help the good ones. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds cruel. Listen, if if they're not good at this job, then they should be doing another job. Correct, yeah. You shouldn't be trying to fix something that's unfixable. Yeah. Okay, and so when you look at your list of 10 things, you need to know before you ever figured anything out, you need to know just top of the stack, Two of these ten, 10 things are more valuable than the other eight put together, guaranteed to be true. It just may be that you don't know which two they are. Correct. Yeah. That is that is the starting point of 80-20. I don't know. All I know is these are going to end up being wildly unequal. Think every album has 10 songs. <laughs> two of them become hits. Yeah. And the other, only the super fans know. Yeah, that's right. Okay, like an album. I mean, they still do albums the same way, even though <laughs> we got Spotify and, and 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 we're not doing records. It's still 10 songs, one album, and two hits. Yeah. Or one. Yeah. How rare, how often do you get an album with four hits? Oh, about one in a hundred? Yeah. 8020 actually tell you exactly how often that's going to happen as a matter of fact. Right? And so and so when you realize that everything is extremely unequal, it doesn't mean the 10 things are totally unnecessary. Right? You might have to still have the 10 things. Okay, but some of them are way less important, require way less perfection. Another thing that human beings do, th this is almost this is everywhere human beings will obsessively polish turds <laughs> on number nine and ten right because it's a form of procrastination it's not because they're lazy it's because they're afraid of being successful they're afraid of being effective it's your your head trash will drag you down to, I call it barnacles. Yeah. Okay, and, and it's, it's so much more comfortable to polish a turd <laughs> and feel productive than it is to, you know what? At some level, my lizard brain knows that that guy that I'm avoiding calling could write a million dollar check. Right. And it scares me to death that he might do it. Right. It could totally change my life. So like I have sabotaged deals. I have like, I remember I was about two months into a, my first sales job and I'm supposed to go to Detroit. I wake up at like 830 
and I look at my alarm clock and I was supposed to be on a plane an hour ago at the airport. Okay. I had slept through my alarm. I didn't actually sleep through my alarm. I hit off instead of snooze. snooze. Yep. Only that day. I never did it any other day. It was an important meeting. Now, when, when I talk to like crowds of entrepreneurs, I go, how many of you have literally shot your foot off with a sawed off shotgun like that, like doing some stupid thing and like hands just go up. Okay. Yeah. I, I call that head trash. And, 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 and so head trash actually prevents people from doing the 80, 20 stuff. Huh. Huh. And, and, um, and so like, I've actually learned that my inner procrastinator and my, you know, like you get, you get all jittery and nervous. Like I'm not nervous about calling most of these people, but I'm nervous about calling that guy. Your head trash is actually telling you what you should do by telling you not to do oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is there, is there, um, so, I mean, like the, as I was just thinking, I was like, wow, next time I make a, a to-do list or a, or a, a plan for next year or the 10 people I'm going to call today, even before I make those calls, I should, I almost should tell myself, where is there one, there is an 80, 20 here. So let's accept that. Yeah. And two, if I were to guess where the 80, 20 is, what is that? And, and, and actually force myself. Is there a practice like that, that you do that, that is helpful or how do I snap myself out of, like you said, the, the head trash? Well, I, I am self-aware enough to notice that my head trash is avoiding a certain thing or a certain opportunity or a certain person. Yeah. And, and so I consciously like, I'll actually write down in my notebook, like, dude, you are, you're getting jittery and nervous yeah. about, so that's probably the big opportunity right there. So for example, um, uh, I have a technology prize that I introduced a few years ago called yeah. the Evolution 2.0 prize, yep. $10 million. Um, it's a search basically for how to, where did the genetic code come from? Where does life come from? And I needed judges and the judge that I was, so I ne- I needed highly credible academic scientists to come on my judging panel. Um, the, the person I was most afraid to contact was the guy who said yes. <laughs> and it was, it was George church at Harvard who is, yeah. well, let's put it this way. His student, Jennifer Doudna won the Nobel prize two months ago. That's awesome. Okay. So he, everybody in genetics knows who George is. He's had a special on 60 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, he's about as famous, almost as famous as a scientist can get. Okay. I was more nervous about contacting George than I was about everybody else just about on the list. And I think it was like, at some level I knew, okay. And like, in, it's just like anybody like, well, why would he talk to me? And like all that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and, and so I just, when I noticed this going on inside my head, I, I note, I make note of it. Yeah. So Perry, what is this telling you? And I just think for you and everybody else, watch for this and see if I, I'm not right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, maybe the girl that you are afraid to ask to the dance. Yeah. Is the girl you should ask. <laughs> yeah. First, as soon as possible. <laughs> uh, uh, this, this, you know, as I, as we talked offline, this also goes back to the, the one, the question that I've been, that I wrote down to ask you was so much of what you do has so much depth to it and i mean that in a very positive way like you it's not a it's not it's not a fleeting tweet like you've you really thought to that and you have so many deep bodies of work and um the 80 20 great body of work that that you put out you've got 
probably the number one best-selling body of work on the Google AdWords stuff, which is very cool. And now you have, you have a new book launched, which is another awesome body of work. Um, I'd love two, two things about that. I'd love for you to say, okay, well, how do you, when you were, when you were writing the book, how did you get yourself to saying, okay, this is a new body of work that I Perry, I'm going to kind of create and produce. How do I, it's, it's 80, 20 of sorts. How do I, how do I do that? Uh, so is there any, can you walk us through like the psychology of, Hey, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and deliver this body of work. And then maybe uh, I'd love to talk about the book after, but more the psychology of getting the book written in, in the sea of doing everything else. So, so we've got this new book, it's called Detox, Declutter, Dominate. And a year ago, oh, so this is, this is 36 pages. It has lots of pictures. You can at least, you know, you can read through it easily in a half an hour. Um, a year ago, this was 50,000 words and it was gonna be 150 pages long. Wow. Okay. And so I, I wrote this book and I, you know, slaved over it. I sent it to my friend and colleague, Robert Scrobe. And Robert goes, Perry, let me play with this. Uh, and I'll get back to you. And a couple of weeks later, he sends me back. He chopped it down to 8,000 words. And he goes, Perry, I 80, 20, this book. <laughs> That's awesome. You don't need the other, what? Uh, 42,000. 42,000 words. Yeah. I'm like, thank you, sir. Touche. That was great. <laughs> okay. And then, well, then he, he, he said, and let me take this in my cave again, and I'll get back to you. And he, he, he made these graphics. And I ended up making them the co-author. It ended up being a completely different book than what I envisioned. But there's, there's actually a huge, huge lesson in this. What Rob did was he, he took my 50,000 words and he simplified it. He distilled it down to the absolute essence. And now what we have is a 36-page book. I mean, the, the reviews on it are, are off the charts. People love it. And... This book is really, it's like, these are the seven things yeah. that are important in business. Like these seven things will like, is, is, is really everything you need to know. Now, I went, here's what I want you to know. Simplifying is the hardest work there is. Yeah. And most people are trained to elaborate, not simplify. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at any book, if you look at, okay. So okay, I'll give you several examples. So let's take book. Best selling book. Great book. Then 10 years later, they do the 10 year anniversary edition. What do they do? They get some guy from somewhere and he writes a foreword that nobody wants to read. <laughs> they stick it on, right? And then they have a 20th version, 20th anniversary version 10 years after that. And they grab another guy to add another forward. They just make it worse. <laughs> okay? Like, they, like book publishers do this all the time, right? Or, you know, oh, you know, album with bonus track. Like the bonus tracks are terrible. Like there's a reason they didn't put them in the first time. Or, okay, or products. Oh, here, let's add another feature and another feature and another feature. You know what the worst, the worst thing in a new car is a dashboard with like 800 buttons and menus and software. Like, oh, you know, down the base control is like in level seven of some menu in the car stereo. Like, how am I supposed to find that without killing myself on the freeway, right? And people just add and add and add and add. Now, this, this is what Steve Jobs was so good at. He was merciless yeah. about just chopping stuff out, 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 out. Now, if... If, if you want something that's truly elegant and useful, 
it's like you build it up and then you strip it down and then build it again and then strip it down again. And like, you, dude, you chisel this thing until like, there's not, everything is essential. That is, that is what we did with this book. There is, there is not a wasted word in this book. So I want you to understand it is harder to write a 36 page book than it is to write a 180 page book. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But, but uh, is now, there, this, this is what makes it valuable. Is there a reason over, over the course of history or at least recent history, why, in your opinion, why elaborating or adding more or the offer stack or all of it? Why is, is it just the perception of that? Why is that so inbuilt into this strange fabric of our world, at least perception wise? Okay, it's, it's because most people are mediocre and it's what they're trained to do. But it's it's not what great people do. Okay, so Martin Luther King chiseled his message down to an I have a dream speech. Mm-hmm. And that one speech probably did more good than all of the Black Lives Matter protests and everything else and all of this, you know, you know, everybody's yeah. talking, everybody's yelling, everybody has opinion. Okay, like, I'll take the I have a dream speech over all of it. Right. Right? It's it's hard to do. Okay, and like, most people have never been taught this is what great people do. Like, Einstein equals MC squared. Even people who don't know anything about math or physics have at least seen it. They don't know what it means. <laughs> But it's but but see that's almost the point. E equals M C two, like five characters. Right. It explains like one of the most important things about the universe, and it's so short that even Homer Simpson knows what it is, if even if he doesn't know what E or M or C is. Okay. Well, it it was incredibly profound because it was simple. And the iPad is profound because it's simple. And a Tesla is profound because it's simple. Okay. And, and um, you know, like Jesus reduced six, 10 commandments and actually 613 commandments to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. 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 Like, well, that was new. <laughs> like yeah. they thought it was 613 things. He's like, no, it's two things. Yeah. You can wrap your head around those two things. In fact, Christianity basically said, you know, as long as you do those two things, you can bend all kinds of rules, crazy directions, and it's still okay. Is, 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 how do we, how do you instill some courage in, like, is there something that you can say to the entrepreneur listening right now that is, you know, either is a real estate agent trying to sell stuff and say, I'm going to give you all this stuff or an insurance broker that says, I'll do this and I'll, you can call me anytime or a online funnel guy that's like, hey, but wait, there's more. I'm going to give you more bonuses. Wanting to do more. How do we say to them, hey, pay $4.97 and you get this one thing and it's going to change your life. How do we, how do we give them the courage to do that? Well, so it's, it almost seems completely counterintuitive to anybody and everybody that you would pay $500 for a three by five card. Right. And like, if you want to sell three by five cards for $500, I don't know that I can guarantee you that you're going to be successful doing that. Even if your three, three by five card is worth $5,000 or, or $50,000. Right. Here's what I can tell you. The very best entrepreneurs I know will all pay $500 for a three by five card in a hot second if they know the three by five card is the thing that they need to know. Right. Okay. And this is a, this is a fundamental attitude towards knowledge. It's like, I value wisdom. I will pay for wisdom. I will seek wisdom. I'll get an airplane for wisdom. I'll get in a spaceship for wisdom, you know, 
I'll put on a diving suit and go <laughs> underwater for wisdom. Like, I don't care where it is. Like, I'm going to search it out and I'm going to find it. Um, and because it, so like the really good entrepreneurs I know, they'll spend three days at a seminar to get one good nugget. Right. And their attitude is, all right, the bar is fun, you know, and maybe maybe the nugget is something that was said on stage. Maybe it was said at 1130 at night in the bar. Maybe it was a comment made to them by somebody. Maybe it was meeting somebody that they wouldn't have otherwise met. But they already know, they know that 50% of the value is going to come from 1% of it. So they already know it going into it, that there's just a little bit. Yeah. Right? And, and I think there's even, I think some of what drives this is maybe you just call gluttony. People, <laughs> people just think they need a bunch of stuff and they think more is more. Right. But 80-20 says that less is more. Yeah. Um, I, um, you are such a, you're such a wealth of knowledge and you give so freely and I can't, can't thank you enough for, for sharing so much, especially that, uh, the the FOMO diagram. I mean that 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 like lit it up for me, which was so awesome. Uh, Detox, declutter, dominate. Where is the best place folks can get that? And we'll do a giveaway as well. Uh, you can go to Amazon and buy Detox, declutter, dominate. In the U.S., it's about nine bucks, and so that's twenty five cents a page. And this book will change your life. What what I want to tell you about this book is this: whether you're making ten thousand dollars a year or $10 million a year, the seven things in this book are the seven things. And I would like to you to consider what would it be like, even if you're just starting out, even if you're a freelancer, even if you're doing little gigs on Fiverr, or if you're worth millions and millions of dollars, what if there was only seven things that you really need to know in business and you didn't need to learn a new seven things two years from now when your business got 10 times bigger, what if there's just seven things? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's the, the new book uh, is detox declutter dominate uh, by Perry Marshall. They, I, the, people got to go get, I think you should bundle it up. I think they should get the 80, 20 sales and marketing with it. And if you are in the online world, the Google AdWords world, Perry, I can't thank you enough for being on. I, uh, you know, as you, you, this has been a, this has been an enlightening thing for me. I've learned a lot just being with you, your energies insanely contagious and i'm grateful for what you do your body of work and thank you for being being with us today well thank you and it's an honor to be here and i just you know bless all of your peeps with uh wisdom and knowledge and mojo so thanks for having me Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com dot com.